Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Mac Powell. Your uh, facial follicle scenario is always inspiring. Yeah. Uh, thank you. How? Uh, w- when was the last time that you were totally clean shaven? Uh, I think it was in the fourth grade, maybe. Yeah, fifth grade. Which semester? I'm guessing first semester. Oh, definitely the second. One. That is so good. That is <laughs> I'm so late, good. I'm a late bloomer, so it was definitely second. The second uh, semester. It, yeah, it, yeah. Um, it is the most robust. I think it. John, help me out here, but I think it's the mo- the most robust um, facial like hair situation we've had on. It's might, really substantial. It might be. It's very nice. Uh, how much time are we spending like trimming that thing up and maintaining? Uh, zero. Zero. You uh, have a so, team of people that do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I had to not bring a keyboard player on this tour so that I could have. <laughs> so <you> could have. <laughs> keys are the first to go. Yeah. The barber has to be. You have two aux perk players, but the key guy has to go. <laughs> what, I, yeah, what, what I can do is find a barber that can play keys, and then I'll be fine. Bro, listen, the way the music industry is going, that will a thousand percent Just will find be any barber in Nashville. I guess Steve Mason to play for me. Steve could do it. Yeah, Steve would yeah, crush yeah. it. Um, Soccer Moses himself. You know, the, the thing, I was reminded of this. I just got off a opening for Lady A this last year. And Braggart. something that I just don't, yeah, you're welcome. Um, something that, I never think okay. about. That was a minute and a half. To both y'all's points, like, you know, Hillary has glam people out. You know what yeah. I mean? She, I mean, mm-hmm. the girls do numerous jobs. They're not just doing glam, but I just never, ever, ever think about that. On like mm-hmm. any time I'm on the road, that's like. But I mean, they they have they make them look good. Like those yeah. girls are like yeah. it's like a whole thing. So I'm I'm out on the road right now. This is the well. Today is the official third day. Uh, hey, hey, come on, this tour, and uh, I'm out with Natalie Grant and Danny Goki. So I don't, there's a bunch of people on this tour and I haven't met most of them. I'm just assuming that not only Natalie, but Danny has somebody just doing makeup, doing hair them up. They, they got to, they both yeah. look too pretty to not have somebody out. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just going from data at this point. You're like, from what I can tell, yeah. they're just way too good looking. Yeah. That would, John, don't you feel like that would, that would satiate a little bit of the anxiety of being on the road? Just having a glam knew, person. Well, just just like before you walked out. It's fine, say she. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Siri's not going to tell you, but like, wouldn't it make you feel better? Just like that last check, like right before you walk out, someone's like, "I'm here," you know, kind of. Yeah, I will say, all I need is just somebody in that last moment, just to make sure something's not coming out of my nose. That's the whole thing. But I will say, I've never had anybody, obviously, like on the road, a glam person on the road, but. I, I do need help before the tour. I just need somebody yeah, yeah, to say, yeah. like, hey, yeah. these three outfits yeah. don't wear anything but yeah. these three outfits. Yeah. That yeah. is something I, I say this a lot, but if I had like just incredible amounts of money, I, I would, the first thing I would spend it on would be someone that just picks charity. out clothes for me. Oh, Char- uh, I'm sorry. Let me, first thing, that's assumed. First thing would be sure. charity. Second would be glam. Uh, 
Hey, so charity is your style. We used to have a lot of God gave me you money. So where'd that go? <laughs> it's yeah. charity. All not, of it went to charity. The charities in. are my kids' scholarship funds, but it is charity all the same. It doesn't benefit me at all. But I would love that. So, Mac, as you guys can hear, you're thinking, I know that voice, everybody listening. And you imagine the beard. You put it all together and you go, is that Mac Powell that they're talking to? And that is where you are actually right, Dadville listeners. He is out. You realize the people are not. You see, we're seeing each other. We're looking at yeah. each other doing they this. Can't, they'll people never see this. So when you guys are talking about how great my beard looks, they have no idea. That's why we say I'll, it, because hey, then if we're wrong, they never know. Com to, uh, <laughs> ever, ever the salesman, ever the salesman. I was Googling some photos of you. And I mean, they're, they can just Google Mac Powell and some yeah. great shots will come up. I, I did that today, as I do yeah. most days. Today, we just happen to be interviewing you. Specifically, <laughs> Google uh, Orbing, if you want. Orbing. Yeah. Wow. And uh, you know. Bing. That is, it. that is such a wow. I'm still reeling from that call out. Doesn't doesn't um, Bing it sound better than Google it? Bing it, it does. does. Yeah, Bing it. Yeah. yeah, they have a lot of thoughts about that. Okay, so so Mac, we always start with the brag sheet. You know, just getting to know you. So this is a uh, you got some things in here, man. This is like this is Are no you joke. On okay, you on Wikipedia? We're on Bing, actually. It's I okay. just typed your name in. We're seeing a lot of uh, beard stuff. We just typed in Google and Bing, and these things came up. <laughs> okay, so formed third day in '91, along with Mark Lee, Ben was inducted into the Georgia Music Hall of Fame in 2009. And and I, I, I'm I'm really I'm being serious when I say this. That is no joke, Georgia. That is a significant state for musical output. Yeah. In fact, one of my favorite things, usually on my Christmas tour, I play the, um, uh, oh my gosh, of course I forget it right now. Downtown Atlanta. Um, um, shoot, Tabernacle. there. No, no. That, okay, that was mean. Um, it's smaller than that. Um, I can't George, believe I forgot George, it. Oh, Georgia Dome. No. <laughs> okay, stop, John. You can't say anymore. We're one of the things fans. that they have on the wall in this theater that I play that I'm so embarrassed I can't remember right now is a this oh, really cool theater. No, d- stop doing that. All of them are smaller. <laughs> it's small. Why do you guys do that? That is so mean. Two nights at the Fox Theater. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that this place has, I'm going to think of it later, is this really cool somebody made it. It's this it's the um it's the outline of Georgia. And it's so cool because it just has all of the names of like Georgia's famous yeah, musicians, yeah. and it is mm-hmm. crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So I'm 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 I'm, di- I'm digressing too much. Okay, so inducted into the Georgia Musical Hall of Fame 2009, sold over seven million records, twenty eight number one songs on the Christian charts, won four Grammy awards and twenty five Dove awards. We call that an aviary. The band appeared on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Late Show with Craig Ferguson in 2008. Third Day became the first Christian artist to embark. I didn't know this on a USO tour for American troops in Iraq and Kuwait. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, released your first self-titled so, uh, solo album in 2012. Won 2002 Dove Award for Male Vocals in the Year. I've always said that about you. Such dulcet tones. Collaborated with uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, another Dadville alum, Brooks and Dunn, and Randy Travis. Fun facts, and this is really good right here. This is I'm coming in with a humdinger on this first one. Let's Used go. to play in a band called Nuclear Hoedown. That's right. That wow, you didn't even. There's no pushback. Father of five kids, mm-hmm. and the third day song "This Is Who I Am" was used in a NASCAR video game. And those are that's fun facts, folks. That's some fun facts. Okay, some first of, of all, video games. Some of those, I'm just like I, I can, I can see why we're still using the 
seven million records sold, four grand. I can see that stuff, but some of those little facts in there, like, are we still? That's a shout out to our producer Jason, who like was on the Jay Leno show. Who who remember like who remember? Hey, we find it all. Is? We find it all. Yeah, we listen. Nothing is safe. Okay, nothing. Have you have you played the NASCAR video game? Five times. Yeah, I never even played a NASCAR video game, so I don't. I yeah, I think that was a made up one. I don't think that. Yeah, we did. Well, (laughs) nothing is going to beat Nuclear Hoedown. Also, it was a Variety Theater. Just so everybody knows, the Variety Uh, Playhouse. Okay, the Variety. Right. By the way, way, Nuclear Hoedown is trademarked, so don't think about. Okay, John, we can. We were gonna. We Copy tried the I already had like five different ideas for that. The merch was already done. It was like boom. <laughs> the merch yeah. is the easiest thing to wrap. <laughs> radioactive itself. thing. You know, it's just that. And then like the faces of the people or the little We actually square. had a poster made. It was a fiddle that was ex- with a nuclear, you know, explosion. Oh yes, yeah. it was. Yes, it was. And that guy, whoever designed it, was like, Wow, what am I doing with my life? How do these kids get my number? Um, Okay, so this is, I want to start here, and this is just me being really selfish, Mac. Um, Third day, I I literally, this morning, I I sat down and listened to the first few records. I'm not kidding. And it it felt like a, I felt so many things listening to those. I felt like transported back to a time. I felt emotions. I started sweating. I grew half of a beard, which was just called to my face, and it happened. Um, Anger. Sad at the same time. <laughs> Listen, everything, okay? All the emotions. It was all the emotions. But here's something that I really do want to know. You guys were, I mean, to me, that was absolutely the heyday of incredible Christian music. To me, I think nothing will touch that. And it really, for me, was the perfect time because I was um, I was born in 78. And so that was like kind of high school for me, kind of a couple last years of high school and then most of college for me. And so, you know, seeing you guys come through either Nashville or, you know, all these bands come to MTSU or in school, like I got to experience that at the perfect time, you know, like that was when it was all happening. Cause, and I mean, listen to the records, dude, the music is just so good. It's like, I sort of get a little sad in some ways. Cause I'm like, man, that's when you could write songs and people it you know it could be whatever you wanted to write about and people loved it and it got on the radio and all these things yep. but like what did did and again this is self's question what did it feel like being i feel like you guys were one of those like 5 to 10 bands that were at the very tip of that spear mm-hmm. when and could you feel that like could you feel that as a band when y'all would play or put out music that it was like this is a thing that is moving at a astronomical rate yeah you know it's a great question and and i think the answer is is a little bit of yes and a little bit of no at the same time I think we always had like these um, these dreams and these goals, these things that we thought we could do. Uh, but at the same time, I remember it's funny because I remember thinking like once we started building up a little bit of fan base and and making some music, I was like, man, we could be as big as Petra one day. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. That was like the goal. It was like, that was it. Petra yeah. Was like the band. Right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. That was that was like the big dream. Like we could do that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's having success is, is like winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. So for us, uh, there was both that we know this could happen. We could do this, but it's probably not going to happen. So mm-hmm. it's a yes and no. Uh, we were just always, man, just as I am now, even still, it was always like, I'm just glad to be here. You know, mm-hmm. we we were big fans of the music. And so to get to be able to play on stage with artists that we love, like Rich Mullins and Michael W. Smith mm. and Chapman, like to even be in a room with those guys. Even now I just toured with 
Michael and Stephen, right at the kind of the end of 20, where COVID was like, we were doing these drive-in theater shows. Mm-hmm. I remember this. Oh, yeah. Drive up in their cars and, and, and you know, could stay separated, but we could still do this, be on stage together and do a concert. And, and I've known those guys for 25, 30 years, been on tour with them many times, and still at mm. whatever age I was then, back then was 47, 48 years old at the time, I'm on, we're doing, we're on stage the whole time together, singing each other's songs. I'm looking over to my left and I'm like, there's freaking Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yeah. And I still, and I would say that to him later on. I'm like, I'm like the little kid that you pulled up on stage to sing and he never left. And they're like, shut up. But I really still <laughs> feel that way. And I think that we always felt that way with third day. Like we were mm-hmm. so happy to just be, you know, it was like to win a dove award was like, the dream, but like, it almost didn't matter. It was like, we got to be there. Yeah. We go to the Grammys and go, this is dumb that we get to be part of this. Right. So, well, not just a part of it, but again, I think what's so cool about you guys, especially is y'all were a, y'all were a, to me part of the engine of it because I felt like, you know, and again, you guys were squarely in my biggest musical consumption phase. You know what yeah. you guys were doing yeah. along with some of those other Christian bands and it's not just that y'all were part of it. I mean, y'all were, y'all were like one of the, I feel like one of the people leading a certain offshoot of it, you know, because it's like all the biggest bands sort of had their own thing. That's why they all sort of worked in these different ways, you know? And I feel like you guys like listen to the record this morning. I was like, I just love that it was as creative and as unique as it was. And it didn't feel as much as I can hear your influences in awesome ways in the ways you want them to be heard. It doesn't feel like a derivative of something. It feels like its own thing. And you guys are from Georgia and it's like, everybody knew that. And that was this cool thing. And you felt like, okay. So compared to DC talk or audio adrenaline or somebody, it just felt like a different thing. It was like, it is a part of this, but it's very much honoring its own thing and not sort of trying to, you know, fold into this other thing. And even it was funny too, because you know, I, I got such a unbelievable, I mean, especially being 45, me in the industry so long, it was like hearing the sound quality change from record to record was amazing. It was like, you could, on that first record, which I, it sounds great, but it was like, yeah. it goes from that to like, all of a sudden there's success and then conspiracy number five suddenly just sounds like amazing and huge. And then even time you hear it, it's even better on that one. You know, it's like, you can feel the industry sort of like catching up with itself, you know? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, that we were, that first record came out in 1996, but it was already at that point, uh, we had made it ourselves in 94. It got kind of repackaged by an indie label and put a, and added a couple songs, a remix, put out in 95. Then Reunion Records, uh, you know, did the same thing, repackaged it, put a couple new songs on it, uh, remixed it, put out. So by the time the record came out, we were already sick of those songs. Ready oh, to I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And then here you go playing them for two more years. Yeah, absolutely. But but and I'm st- honestly, there's a lot of songs from that first record. I'll I'll do uh, I'll do like a request time in the concert, mm-hmm. and like a lot of people mention songs from like three oh, or four yeah. songs from that first record. I'm like, guys, I've made a lot of good music since then. <laughs> yeah. What are you asking for? The stuff that I wrote when I was 18 years old. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I didn't know what I, know. I was doing. Isn't that that's, crazy? That's such a gift, though, for you guys to have the combination of being as crazy successful as you were throughout all those years, but still have that uh, mindset of like, we're just happy to be here. Oh, I mean, I think that maybe a lot of people, some people don't never have that, you know, and some people start out with that, but then eventually, you know, they're like, well, by now, by the 
fourth dub award. It's like, well, yeah, we should get this dub award. And it like robs them of the enjoyment of the experience. You know, that's such a gift that you guys had that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, part of it was being in a band, being with, you know, f- five of us together. And back today, what you were talking about with the musical, you know, that you could hear our influences, but at the same time, it was our own thing. It was because all five of us had, I mean, there, were, there was definitely stuff that we listened to together that we loved, but we also brought something different to the table mm. and, and what we liked and, and the way that we played our music and sang. And, and I think that blend, it was, I often think of it like a, like a gumbo. It's like, he brought this ingredient. I brought mm. that. In, they brought mm-hmm. this ingredient and it just kind of makes its own unique thing. And I, and I think that's what third day was. And I know that's true for every band, but for some reason, I, you know, part of it also was that we just weren't, these great musicians. I mean, we were really a glorified garage band, honestly. Mm. I mean, I'm not afraid to say that we weren't these great musicians and when, but, and, but we played on our records. And so we didn't, when we went to the studio, I was so surprised to find out that there were so many bands that they had studio musicians playing on their end. That was, mm. that didn't make any sense to me. Mm. And so go, and then we never used tracks live either. So mm. it was kind of like, you're just going to get what you're going to get the, the warts and all the good and the bad with it. I think that, that, was what one of the things that made third day unique john dave john dave that was good yeah you just had your family down here on thanksgiving right indeed i did dave yeah Mm -hmm. and you know what every time they come down here one of the first things they want to hit is all the good coffee shops but this time I threw him a curveball. And you I know how I throw curveballs. Well, I, I've always called you Nolan Ryan. Did you go bar hopping instead? What was the option there? What are you doing? Uh, it's funny, of course. No. I told him, hey, guys, what if I tell you that the best coffee in town is right here in my kitchen? And I'm sure they all gasped. Uh, emphatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I'm right. You are. Yes, you are, John. Because you made him the sponsor of today's episode and my morning cup of joe. Let's sing it together. Man. I like how we started on the exact same note. I know. I was really amazed by that. That's because we drank so much of it together. (laughs) Methodical Coffee has craft coffee and tea for people of all kinds. Roasted, blended, brewed, served, and perfected by verified coffee and tea nerds. Tea Lurds. Tea Lurds is the combination of nerds and lovers. Oh, By the way, gotcha, that's what that is. Gotcha. Tea Lurds, like my friend Johnny here. Thank you, Dave. And that's exactly right. And Methodical, it's not just the name of their business. It's their approach to everything. That's right. Methodical has been roasting and hosting for over eight years and offers a wide selection of coffee and teas that are complex, yet easygoing, just like... Dave Barnes. <laughs> Come on. I'm blushing. But the best of Methodical's coffees is our signature Dadville, Dadville blend. blend. Dave, the Dadville blend is the fuel that gets me going mm-hmm. every morning. Mm-hmm. It's the fuel that keeps me going, okay. right? Okay. It's the fuel that makes me sleep because I know I get to wake up and drink it again the next morning. I know. Filled with hints of chocolate, graham, and brown sugar. It's just like John McLaughlin. That's and right. if you go to methodicalcoffee.com slash Dadville, it takes you right to the Dadville signature blend. Mm. And don't you dare. Mm-mm. Forget to enter our discount code Dadville. Furious. Ugh. You don't have to pay full price for this. Visit methodicalcoffee.com mm-hmm. for more information and use the discount code Dadville for 10% off your first order. That's methodicalcoffee.com and you better use that discount code Dadville. 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 
Well, I think, again, I think that's what's so cool about what you guys were doing and why that time in Christian music was so cool because that was celebrated. You know what I mean? It wasn't something where people went, okay, let's put them in the meat grinder and shoot it out the other side for the product that we want. It was like, here are these guys. And honestly, I'm not kidding when I say this, Mac. I was so impressed knowing that listening now. Like going, wow, this actually, sure, there's some fun flubs, but listen to Beatles records. There's nothing but flubs. Yeah, right. So so, so to go, it's so cool that whoever, you know, y'all were working with production, whatever, it it sounded like you know it's y'all playing. It's got so much character because of that, but it's y'all playing. And I was like, that's such a cool thing. So the other selfish question, uh, music question I have, and then we'll move on to the bulk of the really incredible interview that we have prepared, is I've thought about this too. With God of Wonders, I mean – that was right after I got out of college. I don't know in my life as a Christian kid that there is a more ubiquitous song in the history of like it was everywhere. Like I can't think Siri define ubiquitous. I can't even say it. I can't even say the freaking word, much less know what John dared me to say two songs and I just I'd say two words and I got them both in. But you know, it just you couldn't escape that song. It was literally every did you feel that way? It was like your not voice was everywhere. Yeah, not at all, because uh, well, first of all, I, mo- I don't, I don't know who knows this and doesn't know it. That we didn't write that song. Mm-hmm. It was written by a guy uh, named uh, or two guys. Well, actually, Mark um, Steve Hendelong and Mark Bird wrote the song, and they had, they were doing a project. Jerry Darty and Steve Hendelong were in a band called The Choir, and I loved mm-hmm. The Choir. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was just That's old school Christian, yeah, old school. And I just loved, loved their music. Their one of their, I, I want to say record. I had a tape of circle slide, which is one of their, one of their kind of their third record. I think it was one of the first Christian, probably the first Christian record I ever heard. Wow. Well, I was so, so much a fan of theirs and they were, they had done a couple of worship things called at the foot of the cross uh, years before uh, I'd heard uh, they were putting together this other thing called City on a Hill. And they, so they said, hey, we want Third Day on a, on a song. And the project's going to be a lot of different people singing on different songs together. They sent the song God of Wonders that Hendelong and Mark Bird had written. And they said, will you guys consider uh, recording this? And I heard it and I thought it was okay. I was like, eh, it's okay song. Uh, I said, do you have a City on a Hill song because the record's called city on hill they said no i said right, i'm gonna write that and in my mind i'm like this song's gonna be so much better than god of wonders it was not <laughs> i, I mean that look up that record and look at the streams and city on a hill was probably the least played song <laughs> on the record. and my my uh so and, and also we wrote our all our own stuff so it was like it was yeah. hard for me to Every once in a while, we would find a song that we loved and we go, oh, we're going to do this song. But 99% of the stuff we did, we wrote. And so it was hard for me to want to record a song that I didn't write. And so anyway, uh, we, they said, okay, you do your song. We're going to come to Atlanta. You guys can record it. My manager said, hey, look, they're going to try to get you to sing a verse on that, on that uh, God of Wonder song. He said, do not do it. You already have a song on the radio now. We got another song single coming out real soon. We don't want to get, you know, things to get kind of yeah. messy with too much stuff. So don't yeah. sing on that song. Go record your song, Gallus Studio. I'm like, great. So we go and in. Get a run. <laughs> yeah. We get go in. We record City on a Hill. I'm walking out. Steve Hennelong says, Hey Mac, will you go sing it? Will you sing a quick verse on this song, God of Wonders? I went, 
Absolutely, yes. I couldn't say no to my yeah, yeah. Come on, man. on. Well, I thought I'll let the, I'll let them fight it out. I'll just do it, you know, yeah. and get it over with. And then my manager will tell them, "No, you can't use the vocal. That'll be that'll be it." My yeah. manager got so mad that I had recorded on it, and then he heard it and he went, "This is going to be a big hit." I went, "Really?" I was like, "I think the song's just okay." He said, "This is going to be a big hit," and then all of a sudden, it was a big hit. And so we were able, even though we didn't write the song, we were able to kind of you know, cash in on that and be part of the wave of, of the, you know, the hit that that was. That song, I mean, it was. That's a great song. It's such a good song. And yeah. it's, it's just everywhere. I feel like that was like, again, it felt like to me kind of toward the end of that season of CCM where it was like bands and really celebrating really cool, unique, weird yeah, songs and bands and stuff. And it's sort of like, that was right at the tail of that for me. But yeah. I mean, what a just yeah. That's definitely a song, you know, I, I, I never, for me, I get asked all the time, do you get to ever, ever get tired of singing some of these songs over and over? Uh, not really. When you have a song like that mm. and you look out and, and almost everybody there, even, you know, people that were not even alive at the time. When I was to look out and see mm. teenagers now singing that song, yeah. I'm like, first of all, how do you know the song? Second of all, like, it's just amazing. It, it never gets old. And back to what you were saying earlier about just, uh, you know, part of the, and I mean, this is going to sound funny, but the, we, I think we were pretty humble because it, it's easy to be humble when you, when you have this kind of success. I think if we had had middle kind of tier success and had maybe one or two gold records and, and uh, you know, maybe one, one Grammy or whatever, it would have been like, look how great we are. But because it went so far beyond that, it was like, oh, this really doesn't have a lot to do with it. Yeah, that, no, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. It's really well said. Really well said. So what would you say, you know, looking back as Dave, like, read the brag sheet, and I'm sure there's, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of more experiences, obviously, in your head that you can't put down on paper. Like, what is it, if there's one thing that you're most proud of looking back on the whole thing, what would it be? And uh, I mean, this yeah. interview being on Dadville aside. Yes. Yeah. Is that yeah. going to be added? That's going to be added to the list uh, on Wikipedia. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, honestly, I think it really doesn't have a lot to answer that question. It's not got a lot to do with any of that stuff on the list, even though mm-hmm. that stuff is cool. Um, I think the thing I'm most proud of is that we, you know, remained friends for so long and, mm. and we were the band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would have other people come out and, and play with us. Like we didn't have an official keyboard player, but Scotty Wilbanks played keys with us for 13 years on the road and, you know, played on our records too. So that's the thing I'm most proud of is that we were the band. What you heard on the records, what you heard live. Yeah. That was real. As I said earlier, good or bad. And that was what you, what you see and what you hear is what you get. So I think that's probably what I'm most proud of. Yeah, that is truly a rare thing. I think even really then, to some degree, like, you know, because you do some snooping around, you start hearing more of like, oh, well, you know, they didn't really play on that album. And you're like, oh, yeah. or like, I'll never forget how heartbreaking it was. Like, right after I moved here to Nashville, I started meeting player friends of mine. And they were like, oh, yeah, I played on that. And I was like, wait, what? Like, oh yeah, shoot. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, that just feeling so. Okay, so twenty-eight number ones. Okay, this is like seismic. What is like? What does that feel like? Can you sum up what I mean? Like, do you ever look at that yourself and go, "God, that's a lot of songs." <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I don't think about it because I, I see the 
the what's it sounds like a lot bigger deal than it really is. And that's another part of being, you know, I love how I'm like saying, hey, guys, look how humble I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. right? (laughs) No, it's 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 I'm trying to say in in a nice way. I have humility because I know the the truth of it. Right, right. Uh, I read one time in a book, uh, it said that humo- all that humility is, is honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, wow. Yeah, I think I can be humble because I'm honest about what the truth is. When you look at 28 number ones, yeah, that's a, it sounds really cool. And it, and it is cool. I'm not taking away from it. But also it was a different day. There was like Christian rock radio and Christian CHR. There were all these formats and different stations that it was a lot easier back then to get a number one than it is now, like by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but what and- what did the arc of that feel like? I mean, it's probably hard to sum up, but I'm like, you know, you remember what the first one felt like, maybe yeah. the second, and then because you get the sophomore slump thing, yeah. maybe. And the, but like, what does the seventeenth feel like? Yeah. You know it what does, I mean? It, I mean, it doesn't change. It's it it's still even now. Like hearing, and Dave, I think you could probably speak into this truth as well. Even now I've heard my songs on the radio. I'm not going to say millions, but a lot of times mm-hmm. I still, when it comes, when I, I have a song that comes on the radio, I'll go, Ooh, turn it up. I want to hear it. It's like, it's exciting. Still. It yeah. doesn't get old. So it's, a, it's, a, it's the same answer for that question that you get a number one song. You just go, golly, thank you, Lord, that I get to still do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my latest single was went to number two. Even that was like, uh, it didn't even go number one, but it was, but it was on the charts for like literally a year. Wow. And even that was like, oh, I can't believe this. I just, how do I get to still do this? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, that's and, so uh, great. You, you're no, I heard of- one time that Elton John, uh, this was back when he did a record. He did this kind of, uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, what, what's the guy's Leon Russell. He did yeah, this, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Record yeah. with Leon Russell, yep. and I remember um, somebody saying that like he's like the day that the record came out, Elton is like checking the charts, like excited. He's yeah. he's like, and it was in like back then. I think iTunes. It was like top ten iTunes, mm-hmm. and he was like, "We're top 10. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like it's so. It's it almost awesome. seems impossible that after so much success, somebody could be that you yeah. know excited and into it. Well, I'm curious too, Mac. I think like knowing, you know, there, there's also at, at the age that you and I both are, John is still just such a young so boy at 23. Yeah. But like, um, you know, like you're, it's second half of life stuff too now for you because it's like, you know, you, you've been here for a while. There, there's a different, I know I feel this way at 45. Like I, I, I don't, th- I'm so much more grateful than I've ever been. You know, it's like you kind of, mm-hmm. You've been through the season where you're like, yeah, it happened. And I think we're, you know, like at our ages, you're kind of like, man, this is a gift. Like, I know how hard this is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. I was talking to a uh, a new artist yesterday and uh, a friend uh, wanted to introduce me to her. And she's like an up and coming country singer. And they were she was just like saying, you know, her and her dad sat down with me and, and my friend. And they said, you know, can you give her some advice? And I was like, well, tell me what you're doing. And she's, and I was like, I, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't have any advice for you. You're doing everything that I would tell you to do. And it's like, I, but the th- one thing that I, I said I can tell you is that the the things that you're struggling with now, as far as like 
how do I write the, a better song? And then how do I get it on radio? And how do I get more people out to the shows? Those things that you as a new artist are dealing with, that will never change. You will always Amen. have Amen. those thoughts. I said, I'm 50 years old and I'm, I'm asking the same questions. And so a thing that I figured out, and so I, I said that I'm not, well, I don't want to discourage you with that. I want to encourage you with that to go, it's okay that the spot you're in right now, the very beginning of your, your career, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but it's never going to change. And the thing that I learned a couple of, a few years ago was that you're never going to figure it out, but you never stop trying to figure it out. Yeah. I know that sounds like a, a Yoda-ism kind of, but it's like, you're never going to get to a place where you go, I got it. I know how yeah. to write the song. Yeah. I know how to get, you know, a perfect set list in the show. I know how right. to not have to like struggle with trying to sell tickets to a show or sell records or whatever. You're always going to have those things. Uh, you're never going to figure it out. But at the same time, you never stop trying to figure it out. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I may have that cried a little bit. Definitely true. It's funny <laughs> when you say the set list thing, I'm like, man, that is true. I feel like I, I have a hometown show next week and I'm like, I can't, I've been working on this set list mm -hmm. for like a month. I always feel like I, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I'm going to lose the audience every time. Anyway. Right. No, um, no, no, it's true. It's true. And that, and I, that was one of the things I, I would get. So I remember specifically having a meeting with third day. It was us and our management. And, uh, we were about 10 or 12 years in to like being signed. So we'd been doing this for a minute. Right. And I'm, and we st were asking all these questions and I was just, I was so mad. I was like, why are we asking the same questions now hmm. that we asked when we were brand new? <laughs> yeah. And I was so mad about it. And then I went, you know what? That's when it really hit me. I was like, Oh, we're not going to ever figure it out. But yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Like this is the way it goes. We're yeah. doing it I mean, right. I, I thought about this awesome. yesterday because I just announced tour dates this week that for next year. And I was like, I'm 45. I've done this for 20. Um, yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years now, 20 plus years. And I still feel two things. Nobody's going to show up. And the people that do, it was an accident. Like yeah. I still, it's I like I'm 21. Still. I still trick them into coming out or listening. Yes. I feel I'm like, like when, when I walk out on stage. There's a couple. There's there are a dozen people who wanted to be there. The rest, I don't know. Somehow, it doesn't make any logical sense. They dragged all their friends they dragged, here. They yeah. dragged, they they dragged 20 of their friends. Each of them. <laughs> They're looking at their watch going, when is this going to be over with? We've got exactly. reservations. Oh, man. we got somewhere to be. All right. So, Mac, you have five kids. Is that correct? That is We've correct. been researching this all morning. Wikipedia is correct on that one. Okay. So... How how many uh, do I love? How many kids is too Three out of five. I love. <laughs> how many do I love? <laughs> five kids. Okay. Uh, what was the question? Uh, the question is: How many kids is too many kids? Uh, probably five. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like? I have a theory on this. I, I have two kids. Dave has three kids. Yeah. My brother has five kids. And, you know, we, mm -hmm. I feel like everyone who, anyone who has one more kid than you have is crazy. Yes. Do you feel that way true. about people who have six kids? You're like, I do. Six? I do. Somebody said something to me yesterday about having six kids. And I'm like, six kids? That's crazy. And I went, oh, it's just one more. 
we, <laughs> I, I think that uh, you just kind of, you kind of figure it out. You know, they're really, honestly, uh, when we went from, we went, we adopted our, our two youngest ones. So we went from three, within a matter of a year, we went from three to five really quick. Yeah. And yes, it is more work, but you just kind of go, yeah, is it really a lot different than having three? No, it's not. Right. Right. You just Once you're outnumbered, you're outnumbered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's, that that's true. Drive, which helps a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what's the what's the age spread? What's the oldest and the, and the yeah, oldest? So my oldest is now 24, and she, uh, Scout is her name, and Scout got married about a year ago, a little over a year ago. She plays bass for me, so she's out on the No, no way. way. Scout's my bass player. Her that husband is the drummer. dream. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're, hold on, hold on. Your rhythm section is your daughter and your son-in-law. Yes, correct. That is amazing. That is the dream. That is the dream. And neither one of them can cut hair is what you're saying. (laughs) I haven't tried that yet. (laughs) What if you're like, and Dave, they're terrible, but the hang is so good. But the tracks sound great. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He doesn't even have drumsticks. He's just hitting them with his hands. (laughs) Oh, I play drums. (laughs) What is that like? Uh, it's great, man. I mean, honestly, Scout and I, have, we've always been really close. Mm. And uh, she's really one of my best friends in life. Jeez. I, and I, I really normally hate it when people say that their kids are their best friends. But she's at an age where, you know, she's yeah. not a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So it's like. Choosing to be your friend at this age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. really, uh, there are times when I, we're on the road wow. and, and I'm off reading or whatever by myself. And she's like. Papa, come hang with us. And so when you've got your daughter wanting you to go hang out with her. Jeez Louise, really cool. man. Oh, the dream. Can you okay, so, please but, tell us how you did that? What yeah. is the secret to that? I'm imagining the scenario. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm going back to the, whole, to the bass gig. I'm like, I'm imagining <laughs> yeah. she's playing bass and she's like, I'd love to play for you. And you're like, ah, we no, no, no. I might need all, a couple more years. No, or did it happen all, the other way? Yeah, she she's been ever since she was in high school. She she was in a, a trio where she's the the front woman playing bass. Mm-hmm. So she, there was a drummer, her on on bass, singing lead, and a guitar player. And so she did that for years. And so I knew she could do it. I knew she could handle it. And uh, and really, when I, when she married this drummer, I, I often say this joke on stage when I'm introducing them. Uh, I'll say when he, when he asked for her hand in marriage, I was like, uh, I got to keep my eye on this guy. And what do you do? What skills do you have? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have any skills. I'm like, well, just play drums. How hard can that be? <laughs> Zinger. But everybody, you know, he's been playing drums since he was five or whatever, but everybody yeah. thinks that he really just started like a year ago. Wow. He's pretty good. It's pretty good for a year ago. I guess drums is easy. But how do you, but, but, but. How do you, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that John and I want to know more in life than how do you get your kids to like you at that age in, in adulthood. life? Do you, yeah. can, do you have any roadmap? Is there any breadcrumbs for those of us who are <laughs> years behind you? And, and you were, there, were, were there times where, you know, were there years where you were like, it's tricky. He's never going to even talk to me again. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's definitely my, my youngest, my son, my youngest son, who is uh, 14 now. He, um, we, he was like my best friend for 
you know, ever since he was born until about a year ago, it was like, this is my guy. This is my, my mini me. And mm-hmm. he is like always wanting to be around me. He up until like, honestly, a year, a year and a half ago, he would hold my hand. Like we'd walk mm-hmm. into, get out of the car to walk into a grocery store and he's mm-hmm. 13 holding my hand. But now it's like, what's up, dad? So it, <laughs> so it changes for like, you know, it changes, but hopefully it'll come yeah. back. Yeah. Maybe cigarettes, Dad. What? <laughs> hey, you cool if I do a self tat? What? And my my <laughs> my oldest. I've got two girls, and my oldest is about to turn eleven. And we we are. She's going around the dark side. I, mm-hmm. I can yeah, see it. You can just feel like it. Not quite as just so, there so with me all this, the time. This is this is to John's point, Mac. I really do want your wisdom on this. For those of us like me and John, you know, I have 11 and down. John, like he said, is, is 10 and down. 10 and down, right, John? About to be 11? Where is she? About to be 11. Yeah. About to be 11. You know, w- w- for those of us like John, where you can feel, <laughs> John, that's such a good way, you can feel the eclipse. <laughs> you, sort of see, you sort of see the shadow overtaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what, what is the word there? Like, because again, I just can't, it's so cool to hear you say that. I love that she wants to be with you. She's mm-hmm. at an age where she's volitionally, like she is making that decision. You're not right. shaming her into it. You're not like right. jobbing her into it. You know, now right. she plays for you. You know, knowing that, like you said, there was a there was a rough patch too, which I think every p- parent knows very intimately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What? What? How did you navigate that? How do you look at it now? How did you come out of that? Like, yeah. what is your posture well, with them now? I, I know it's it probably sounds like a joke when I say it, but I'm all serious when I say it. It's like a lot of prayer, man. There's a wow. lot of prayer that goes into it. Um, what still, else? What's something that's easier? Yeah, I think <laughs> just. <laughs> It was like the other day. The other day we were doing the very the very first show of this Christmas tour with with Nelly Grant and, and Danny Goki and me and my band and we had all these people and and a guy from the tour was like, "Hey, let's gather up and, and pray." I was like, "Yeah, that's such good luck. Let's do that." Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, it starts to thunder immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but prayer, prayer is definitely a big part of it, and we're still going through that as parents. You know, whether they. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Amy, my wife says this a lot, like it's sometimes it's harder, um, being parenting an adult than it is a kid. Mm, okay. No yeah. doubt. I can't yeah. imagine. It's there, it's, that's not always the case, but there, there's some truth in that too. Um, but you know, it's just kind of working that I don't know if I can give you any advice that, that, that's not common sense that people aren't trying anyway. It's just like, you don't give up, you don't give up and you just have grace and mercy as our parents did for us. And you yeah. just hang in there with them, you know, and, and a lot of prayer and a lot of just loving them through those mistakes because w- we made a lot of those mistakes and it, were it not for God's grace, we would have made a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just, you know, continuing to love them and they see that and they know that and they feel that. And, uh, and then they want to be, they want to be better, just like we do, you know, as parents. Dadville is sponsored by BetterHelp. John. Dave. How does your family approach giving gifts for the holidays? Do you do presents, cards, experiences, donations, or just focus on enjoying time together? Uh, that's a great question, Dave. Yeah, I thanks. mean, we do love giving presents, mm-hmm. but I'd say, you know, a combination of all the things you mentioned. Oh, nice. Probably is the answer. The most important gift is the time we get to spend together, though. I agree, my friend. And, and you know, 
at yeah. the holidays, mm-hmm. it's okay to give yourself a gift too. And right. you get to define how you give one to yourself. So whether it's by going easy on yourself during tough moments, which quite a few of those during the holidays, yep. Yep. giving yourself a day of complete rest, which is hard to get in the holidays or starting therapy. Remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. That's right. I think therapy is a great way to give to yourself. Therapy is so helpful. It teaches coping skills, helps you set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. You couldn't be more right, John. And it isn't just for those who experience trauma. It can benefit anyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dadville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dadville. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. gosh. I didn't know you could stretch that far. That's amazing. I can't. That's actually a friend of mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you, speaking of your friends, do uh-huh. you ever bring your kids to the grocery store? Oh, Dave. That's like the rookiest of rookie mistakes. Oh. No. In fact, you shouldn't even bring yourself to the grocery store. Oh. It's Thrive Market all the way, Dave. That was a trick question, and that is also uh. the right answer, John. <laughs> Thrive Market is our go-to for all our grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of ordering everything on their website or app and getting everything delivered to your doorstep quickly is a huge stress reliever. Huge stress reliever. And the products are amazing. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks and trust that you're getting high-quality products mm. so that you can shop worry-free. Yes. I don't like to shop worried. You know what <laughs> I mean? Ah, worry shopping is the worst. <laughs> you just place an order for some gluten-free items, like using the gluten-free filter. Ooh. Boom. It just gives you all the gluten-free stuff. Wow. I got FitJoy grain-free pretzels. Yeah. P.I.P. corn white cheddar cheese balls. Guys, for those of us in the loop, it's called pip corn. No, no, no. I call it... PIP, it's, a, again, a Midwestern okay. regional thing. <laughs> totally. And I got some Lotus ramen noodles. You are off. You're just off. You're, I'm off to cra- the races, You are Dave. crazy, John. <laughs> Not only do I save time shopping as a Thrive Market member, I also save money on every single grocery order, over 30% each time on average. That's crazy. They even have a price match guarantee and a deals page that changes weekly. That's right, Dave. In fact, on my last order, not to be you know competitive about it, but my last order of gluten-free items, the cost was $46. I saved 11 bucks. <sighs> I saved 10 last time. Plus, when you join Thrive Market, and you can enjoy it and join it, John. I was trying to make both those it's words It's not work. an either or. It's, you can, guys, it's choose your own adventure, okay? <laughs> and when you join and enjoy Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash dadville for 30% off your first order plus free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dadville. Thrivemarket.com slash dadville. And join today. What, what did it look like in those seasons, especially as they get older, 
you know, uh, how much are you letting them in on vulnerability? Hopefully some, obviously, because, you know, you want that connection with it. But how what it look like as she was growing, especially your older ones? Mm -hmm. And and how much are you really kind of going, hey, this is what I'm struggling with with you right now, or this is what's hard. And then what are you not telling them? Like how? And I'm sure it's case to case basis. But what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a it's a lot of times you have to be intentional with those set down. All right, look, we're going to sit down right now. We're going to talk through it. Uh, there are times where you just kind of let things slide. And then, there's, of course, there's a point where you have to be intentional and go, this is why uh, your mother and I are feeling this way. We have mm. fear because you're doing this or we mm. have anxiety because you're doing this. And we see where that's going. And you can't necessarily mm. uh, understand. But we've been around the block a few times and we know what this normally leads to. Wow. And it's not good. And so, mm-hmm. uh, but it's hard. It's hard because they have to live their own lives at the same time. But hopefully, yeah. they respect you enough to, at least, even if they disagree, to uh, to understand that that the the reason you're sitting down with them and trying to talk through these things with them is because you do care. And, yeah. You know. What 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 got you to the adoption journey? Like, what was the what did that look like? How did y'all decide to do that? And I went to a freaking Stephen Curtis Chapman concert. No way. And he would not shut up about it. That'll do it. That'll uh, do it. And showed this video, and I was like, "All right, I'm in." Really? So that, it, you know what? That's that's half a joke, but there is a lot of truth to that. Uh, we have. Uh, I don't know if you guys are. I think you guys know my friend David Nasser, who lives in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we yeah. love David. And and we've had him on the pod. Yeah, yeah. So David, uh, we're probably him texting really, you. Yeah, that's him. Really close. We've been around, been friends for a long time. Him and Jennifer. He and Jennifer. Uh, adopted Rudy when Rudy, I think Rudy was maybe five or six years old when they got him. And, uh, man, we just fell in love with Rudy and him being part of the family and just saw the love, uh, that, that the Nassers had for this little boy from Guatemala. And, you know, it just was a great reflection of God's love for us and adopting Mm -hmm. and bringing us into his family. And uh, we, we saw firsthand the, the beauty of, of adoption and that was the beginnings. And of course, Stephen, I joked about Stephen a moment ago, but with him adopting his girls, mm. um, you know, that, that was such a great, uh, another great example to us of how beautiful this whole thing is. Now, I, I don't really get on a, on a soapbox preaching about adoption because I also have seen the hard, uh, hardships that can come through adoption, especially sometimes when people adopt older kids. Um, Ours has been great as it's worked out beautiful and I wouldn't change a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it, it is tough for some families. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, I'm just very thankful. I mean, my, our two youngest, um, you guys are trying to pull an Oprah on me, aren't you? You're trying to get me to cry. Keep we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> the, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's just, it's been such a blessing. <laughs> Thank you for the adoption. <laughs> key of F sharp, the adoption key. The uh, the, the status of all keys. Anyway, it, um, it it's just a beautiful thing, and I'm I'm so thankful for our little ones, and just not not only seeing how it's affected me and Amy, but but for our, our uh, biological children, just seeing they love the love that they have for their brother and sister, and I think the, the one of the greatest myths in life. That even though I know there are, are hard struggles, I mean, I've seen it with friends, uh, struggles with adoption. Um, I, I think that 
the thing that I try to, the myth I try to bust is that when I, when we were adopting a manual for the, the, our first adoption, I really, this sounds terrible saying it out loud, but I'm just gonna be honest with you. I thought, man, I love my children, my biological children so much. There's no way possible I could love my, you know, this adopted kid as much. It's just not going to happen, but you know what? I'll love them 80, 85%. And that's good, right? That's a good, and that just was thrown out the window, like instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I soon realized, and I was telling my mentor, a guy named Tim Cash in Atlanta, I was telling him, I remember being on the road, I was in Houston, Texas doing a show, and he had called me, and after a few months into adopting uh, Emmanuel, he said, you know, how's it going? I said, I said, Tim, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this. It's like, I don't want to say that I love him more mm. than my biological kids, but there's, some, there's, in a way, there's something deeper. Mm. He told me this great story. He said, back in Old Testament times in, in the Jewish culture, you could, if you were an adult and you didn't agree with, uh, you know, with your kids and how they were living, the older kids, you could, you could actually divorce your, your kids. You could just write up a, a paper and say, I have no more, you're not in my family. I have no responsibility for you anymore. He said, but if you adopted the, 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 the law was, if you adopted someone, you couldn't do that. You couldn't divorce them. He said, so there's this connection. Wow. When Paul, when Paul talks about in the first chapter of Ephesians that we've been adopted into God's family, that's mm. so much, that means so much more than we, our Western minds know. Yeah. What it meant was there is nothing there's nothing that you can do where God's going to say, you're not part of my family anymore. Jeez. Wow. And so when he told me that I went, man, there's just something. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing uh, that, that God's allowed us to have in adoption. That's, That's really cool. Incredible. I did not know that. So uh, is there anything, um, you know, Dave and I both have some close friends who have adopted kids and, you know, like anything, if it's not your experience, there are just there's nuances to everything that that you wouldn't know. And one of my best friends all growing up um, is Korean. And a couple of years ago, you know, back in 2020, when, you know, race was top of mind, it still is, obviously. But, you know, when all that was happening, there were things that, uh, you know, that my buddy told me that I was like, we've been friends since fifth grade. I never knew this right. about yeah. your experience, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think it's so helpful and important for everyone to put ourselves in each other's shoes as much as we can. Is, is there anything that you now having five kids, two of them adopted uh, a different race? Is there, is there anything that you're like, if I could tell the whole world, like, hey, just FYI, this is part of our experience. I mm. wish the whole world knew this. Wow. Yeah. Is there anything that comes yeah, to mind? Yeah, well, I, I w- I'll, say, I'll say two things. I, the, I would you know, add to what I just talked about of just knowing, to me, my two younger kids that are adopted, they're both African-American. I don't, you're like, you get to a place where you don't even, I don't think about them being black. Now, at the same time, yeah. you know, you know, they are, you think about, you know, how are they going to deal the older they get, especially they're getting to the age now where I always knew when we adopted them, this is going to be easier earlier on than it is later on. Wow. I know that once, because I've, I've experienced that through friends that had adopted uh, kids from different races that, you know, they, they, once they get to high school, 
there's there's kids start asking questions and, and all this stuff. And then then I see that in my son, my son, the other day we saw one of those. What's the what's the uh, the 23 and me? What's that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where you can check your family. Yeah, back yeah, 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 yep. He saw a commercial. He's like, I want to do that. I want to I want to know about my family. I want to know wow. about the family. I want to. And so, you know, he's and he's always asked those kind of questions ever since he was little. My daughter, Bernie Claire, like she's like this is my family. I don't, I don't care. Now that may change. Mm-hmm. The, she's only in the eighth grade now. So that may change the older she mm-hmm. gets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, John, to what you're saying, there's, there's definitely things that, um, that are, we're going to still deal with for a, a number, you know, really the re- the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing Amy and I loved, uh, the, the show, this is us. I mean, it mm-hmm. was, and, if, and in that, if you're not familiar with that show, there were three, uh, siblings and one of them, there was a, a, a white male, a white female, and the third uh, triplet, if you will, was black. And so that show did a, did a beautiful job of kind of explaining some of the questions that that young man had, you know, and, and how he didn't ever feel completely part mm. of the family, even though he was, and the struggles that come up we would cry almost every episode watching that, that show. This is mm-hmm. us because we, we knew this is the future of our son and daughter, these questions mm, yeah. and, and these, uh, you know, these fears and all those things. So yeah, it's, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Adoption is a beautiful, beautiful thing, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, pain and questions and struggles that come with it as well. One of the things that's going to happen with just kids in general anyway, whether they're biological or adopted. So as a parent, you're just going to have to deal with those things. So there's no there that that shouldn't give people a reason to go, well, I'm just not doing that. then. Yeah. One one of the things that is so particular to that, uh, you know, set up as a family with different races involved is that they don't you know, where if you had adopted white kids, they could live their whole life if you chose to and never know that. You know what yes. I mean? They, and, and never know they were adopted. Um, you know, with kids of a different race, that's not the truth. And so it's such a fat, it fascinates me so much to think about that, that they so young know. And so there's probably bonuses to that and that yeah. you don't ever have to sit down and be like, hey, so this is kind of what happened. Yeah. But there's also this thing, like you said, they've always known that. Yes. Absolutely. And it's informed their entire childhood. Right. Well, and uh, one of the things we had to go to these classes before you adopt, you have to go to, well, we adopted through Bethany Christian services, mm-hmm. which was a great organization. I highly recommend them, but we had to go to a certain number of classes to kind of, you know, raise those questions and think about those things. And one of the things that they said is like, if you ever think about as the parent, if you ever wonder something about uh, your child's bio parents or their life or whatever, your child is going to do it a thousandfold. So if Mm -hmm. you're thinking of those things, you got to know guaranteed they're thinking about them even more. So it is is something you have to have a lot of conversation about. Yeah, that is fascinating. So one more thing I want to ask before we release you back to the wolves. Um, What, what did it look like as you were having kids with your career? Like how did, how did y'all manage that as parents? Like how did you manage that as, yeah. You know, being playing shows, being studio writing, whatever that looked like. Yeah. And then how did both of y'all navigate that? Yeah, it's, it's we went through different seasons. I mean, when we when Third Day first got signed, uh, all five of us in the band had gotten married uh, within a period of six months before getting signed and six wow. months after. 
And then we got like, I, I got married. The record came out in the spring of 96. I got married in the end of July of 96, went on my honeymoon. And then I was gone for about 90 days. I, wow. was, home, I was home, I think five or six days within a three month period. Jeez. And so that was a big, like my Amy was like, I did not sign up for this. And people yeah. always say, well, you know what you're getting into. You don't, you have no idea. Yeah. Even when you're getting married and nobody's going on the road, you have no idea. You think, right. you know, uh, but you have no idea what you're getting into. And so for us, we got to a point where it was like, I have to have my wife on the road. So she came out on the road. Then she had scout and it was like, man, it's going to be tough having a baby on the road, but that's, that's what we've got to do. Then one scout got a little bit older, then they stayed at home and we had uh, cash, our, our second child. Then it was like, okay, it's too much. It's easier for the family to be at home. So we went through these different seasons of people being on the road, not being on the road. Um, for us, I, I really got to a point where I realized, and, and all of us in third day did, did this, is that when I was, we always said this, when you're home, be home. So mm. all of us like, when people ask me, hey, when, you're, when, when you go to coffee with somebody, where do you go? I'm like, I don't. I don't go to coffee with people. Wow. I'm home, I'm home. You know, and, there's, and that's yeah. not 100% true. There are times I'll meet somebody for breakfast or whatever. But that's if the kids are gone and Amy's doing something. Like, you have to be very intentional about your planning stuff. Like, I, when I'm at home, like, I'm, I'm not going to go to a ball game unless I've got my family with me. Mm. You know, so I'm not just yeah. going to go out with the guys. I just can't. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that's okay because I get that time a lot of that time on the road. Mm -hmm. Right, go to a ball game, go to a movie, kind of have have my me time when I'm on the road. There's a lot. Wow. Of, so when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm on the road is when I do all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. That's well said. All right, so we uh, we're gonna end the interview with a little speed round. All right, Love so this round. is just first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, that's the first question. If the whole world could stop. And listen to one third day song, one Mac Powell song. What would those songs be? Oh gosh, uh, I would say um, third day song would be. Oh man, I, I don't know. There's so many to list. I would say there's a song called uh, "Cry Out to Jesus" that I really love because mm. it's really you know the heart of of why we did what we did, mm. wanting people to to know this amazing grace and love that God has for them. Um, that song came about from, oh, this is Speed Brown. I shouldn't go into all the details, but anyway, that song came about from a lot of, a lot of um, struggles and things that, that we were going through as a band and as family members and as that our friends were going through. So it's, it's really a kind of a, a song for, for everybody, no matter where you are in life. So cry out to Jesus, I would say. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Here's buckle up for this one, my man. You thought you were going to get through this one easy. Was there another name that Third Day was almost called? Okay. <laughs> or, or what would you change it to now if you could, if you had to? Okay. There, there was, we really, uh, before it was, you know, of course you said the name earlier, Nuclear Hoedown was the first Golly, thing Mark and I were It's at. just unbelievable. <laughs> We went through a long list of, you know, when you're in a, when you're a young Christian and you're like so excited about your faith oh, and you, you have, we had a long list of just terrible names like 
whatever Jacob's well, and oh, it's yeah. always like it's always like a biblical person and a thing they and a thing own. that they own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joseph's coat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, just yeah, stupid yeah. stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. Joseph's so, jacket. My, my favorite was the name and the emotion. That's when you were really into it, like you know, Esau's regret. <laughs> or like, you know, <laughs> Jacob's loneliness. You're always like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah. Jesus yeah, wept. Yeah, Jesus's tears. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is a uh this is a big one. I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna be possible. If you can you do this, make I'm gonna day. stand and applaud. Okay. Again, this is speed round. And it doesn't have to be in the order, but you you get bonus points. Uh, we'll have you on five more times if you get all correct, these in order. Correct. You have Which one maybe minute. You don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I take that back. You have one minute to name all twenty-eight number one songs. <laughs> <laughs> do you I, think you could even I do that? Five could you get ten? I could name five. <laughs> that is amazing. I love <laughs> that. That is so, so healthy, much. Mac. Yeah, I you're know. So yeah. healthy. You have you, twenty-eight number one. If your eyes had rolled five. back and all we saw was white, and you named them that fast, <laughs> right. I would be amazed and so worried. And like, and the date that they yeah. came out, <laughs> right? They were, or the day they went number one. That yeah. would be the most troubling thing. I'm gonna freaking would. rain man on y'all. Yeah, you're like, okay, <laughs> let's start at the top. You want alphabetical or the year they were released or right, right. how much I like? I'll just do both. Let's do week on the chart too. Here we go. Let's start. <laughs> um, okay, so finally, if you wrote a book on father, have you write, written a book on fatherhood? I've not written a book on fatherhood, but a little selfish plug here. I Please. did write a book with a friend of mine. It just came out, meaning we just released it. It's not in stores or anything. You can get it on Amazon.com and just at my shows. It's called The Soul Shines Through. Wow. I wrote a book with a good friend about four different painters uh, and, and their, their spiritual lives. Whoa. Um, so Andy Warhol, Mark Chagall, Vincent Van Gogh, and Pablo Picasso. I'll give Jeez. you a really quick little wow, little. That's no, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Did, you know that, did you know that Vincent Van Gogh, uh, his dad was a pastor. His his grandfather was a pastor. He wanted to follow in their footsteps, and he went to seminary, applied, got in. Uh, and while he was in seminary, he was a missionary in Belgium. He did a radical thing. What? He sold everything that he had. This Vincent Van Gogh, arguably the the most famous painter of all time. Sold everything that he had. He loved Jesus, loved people, gave it away to all the people in this town where he was a missionary. The people who ran the seminary thought he was like, they were like, that's too radical. You can't do that. And they kicked him out because he spent so much time with them, loved on them. They're like, you're too much like Jesus. Too much like Jesus. Too close. Broke his heart. So he said, I don't know what I'm going to do in life. His his brother, uh, Theo, sold paintings in Paris. So he said, hey, I'll give you a little stipend every month. You go paint. Just learn how to paint and do that. So he Are died. You being serious? No, I'm serious. This like is like go book. learn how to paint because you don't know yeah. what to do. He didn't, he didn't know what to do. So he started drawing at 29. Then he learned how to paint or tried to learn how to paint. He he died penniless. He'd sold one painting his whole life. Nobody knew who he was. And so uh, there's a lot more to the story. If you go get my book, you'll you'll find out more. But those those kinds of stories. Andy Warhol, you know, who's just this wild, crazy artist. I uh, grew up in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Hmm. Uh, had when they when he died, he had a prayer journal or by, a prayer book by his uh, bedside table. He went to mass every week. Uh, served in soup kitchens hmm. in New York City. So wow. you know, 
Uh, there was some a lot of wild stuff. Now, I, I don't try to make these guys spiritual yeah. giants by any means. But yeah. what we tried, me and my friend who wrote the book together with me, um, we're just trying to show there was there was spirituality in these guys and in their lives. Mm. Affected, it affected them and their art in which their art affected so many other people. So anyway, go check it out. That's amazing. I am 100% reading this book. That sounds fascinating. So if you wrote a book on fatherhood, now that you are an author, what would you call it? Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a dad. Oh, crap. What do I do now? (laughs) Oh, crap. And other wisdoms <laughs> from Mac Powell. Oh my gosh! Can I say crap on your podcast? You can. Right? You edit can. can. You can edit it out. We'll, we'll edit it. We'll fix it. Yeah. So, um, so before we let you go, anything? I mean, I, I, we want you to plug the things because you have, um, you have the book, "The Soul Shines Through." Uh, anything else you want to tell the people about? No, just uh, I, I don't know when this comes out, but I just put out a Christmas EP. Uh, yep. Very creative with the title. It's called Christmas. Love that. Love, Love that. And, What's it uh, about? It's, it's, <laughs> it's an Easter record. Oh, yeah. uh, I told you the other day, Dave, I, I was looking for songs. I'm like, what can I, what can I record? That What's a Christmas song? I want to find something that is just new and creative that, you know, it's not the same old Christmas thing that I've heard. And I, I found this Harry Connick Jr. song called I Pray on Christmas. And I heard a couple of versions of it. And as I was, as I was studying more about that song, I saw that Dave had a version, and so and which I love your version of it. It's so, one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. It's yeah. so cool, man. I, I actually want it. You probably did this too. I was like, I got to get him on this. I want him to sing on it. No response. Yeah, yeah. He's he is John and I. He is the elusive. He's the Moby Dick. It's like we yes. would we want him. I mean, he is one We're of get both him. of our favorites. Yeah, we'll get him. But it's like. Harry? He's on listening. He li- he's an avid. We know we can just feel that he's an avid listener. So now it's just yeah. about getting him, uh, getting him. one of my favorite moments of like Twitter online social platforms is he has this famous video now, but it's time not a lot of people knew it, but it's the coolest thing. He's playing in London. Oh and yeah. He, I know what you're going to say where he swaps from yeah. the, the clapping because it's yeah. five bar. Yeah. yeah. And I retweeted it genius. and just said like, you know, this is why this man is a genius. This was like a decade ago. And he replied to it and said, so glad you noticed and retweeted it. And I was like, this is the beginning to us becoming best friends and vacationing together. Yes. Uh, it didn't actually lead that way. Sadly, that's when but, you, um, you started the podcast with that is <laughs> that day. <laughs> this is how, this so is the siren talk. song. And let's be honest. Oh, let's be honest. That's to, to that's Harry's loss. That's his it, loss. Thank you. That, well, that's and oddly enough is any of our Christian band. So, um, <laughs> Nailed it! We're out of here!